Life isn't meant to be lived perfectly, but merely meant to be lived. Boldly, wildly, beautifully, uncertainly, imperfectly, magically lived. Mandy Hale Bending Not Breaking Season 4, Episode 10 Turning the Tides Welcome back to another episode of Bending Not Breaking. That was so nice. I don't like it. I, I appreciated that. Mm. I feel like I wasn't like startled into existence here. I feel like this was like a, a nice, like cozy welcome. Sometimes I like to change it up. Next time I think I'll be more bold in my uh my intro. <laughs> I get it. Because we're talking about boldness today. Yeah. <laughs> bold. 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 As in the typeface. Yes. Yeah, yeah. For sure, right? A font that just really takes risk, takes risk. Yeah. Really shows a lot of confidence when you type in bold. That's why I type all of my emails in bold. And capital letters, right? Oh, yeah. yeah with, let, with every exclamation point. Every... Thank you so much for your patience and waiting for my response. That's how it sounds in that my was, head as you. That was loud. Yeah. That was, that was bold. Sorry. Yikes. Boldness. Okay. We're talking season one of Korra, episode 10. Season four of the podcast. Though. Season four of the podcast. We've had this conversation. That's why we say season four at the beginning of the episode. Turning the tides. Yeah. Cool. That's right. All right. That's the episode. Yeah. Fart bending. <laughs> Milo's great. I love Milo. It is, it is a bunch of fart jokes, but... Uh, it is. I... I like them. Sometimes I love just, the little slow mo. They're nah, and the, the snot flip, like oh, coming yeah. out of his Sometimes nose. Sometimes we just need to be willing to revert back to a little bit of potty humor. Yeah, I think it can be very healthy. What is boldness? I think you just told us, didn't you? You didn't. Didn't you just give right off read off a definition? Yeah, a willingness to take risk <laughs> and act innovatively with confidence or courage. With confidence or courage seems key, right? Because I, I think what that is I think oftentimes people will say, wow, like that was bold as kind of like a a critique of of boldness, right? To be fair, sometimes sometimes people can be less bold or tell, should be less bold. Tell me more. I think there have been plenty of times in my life where I've spoken with confidence and with a determination that I was knew what I was talking about and meant to be in that space and it was for me to talk in that space with a boldness and fierceness because I deserve to say something. And no, no, I, I was wrong and should not have been as bold in those moments because I should have been listening and not talking. So what is the difference then between audacity and boldness? Because that's what you just described. Or is like it, that is audacity. Well, I wonder if that is a... I, it's i view it as boldness yeah well i view it as courageous and and the definition of audacity the first definition is willingness to take bold risks the problem is the second definition is rude or disrespectful behavior impudence and so there is this connotation with boldness that is associated also with rude and disrespectful right and so 
there is there's elements of boldness that can be rude disrespectful but there's also elements of boldness that that aren't right mm-hmm. and i think that's the difference we're kind of trying to parse out well and there's there's movements of, of people that are like you know be bold be rude don't be nice yeah get the, get the job done because that's what it takes yeah except not white men well, I think that's what it is. is Cis, het, white men. Right. <laughs> like, it's just like, and not always. There's always exceptions, right? But like, it, it is always contextual. It's always dependent on the situation. But like, as a general rule, it, the more privileged you are, potentially less bold you need to and be. And I wonder if that's – there's also – because all of this is relative. When someone says, be rude, like, put yourself in that space because you deserve to be there. And – you know, it's not saying actually be rude. It's saying your internal, the story you're telling yourself says that that behavior is rude. When in actuality, that behavior is you being assertive. It's you taking your rightful place. It's standing up for yourself. It's that boldness versus some people take it to be, be rude because it's okay to be rude. Right. Or it's viewed as being rude because you're you're stepping out of someone's societal expectations of you, so they yes. view it as rude, even mm-hmm. though you're not being rude. Yes. You're doing the same exact thing that they've done in meetings every every day, well, but because like, the expectation is that you're sitting there and not talking, oh, you're being rude. Yeah, well, it's also like when people call people out on certain things, and like just by simply like stating accountability, right? You're being mean to me. You're being mean. Yeah. You're shaming me. No, I'm calling you out. I'm telling you that you are breaking the violation of this norm that we have said that we want to abide by, and I'm calling you out. You're trying to cancel me. No, no. <laughs> I'm telling you that what you did was not okay, <laughs> and you shouldn't do it again, right? It's So I, I think what we're going to be grappling with as we look at Cora this episode is— and not just Cora, but like everyone. <laughs> um, well, because it gets said in this episode, wow, the Equalists are making bold moves. Ooh, I, I missed that. Like, I can't believe I missed that. that. That's said at a certain I think point. I wrote that, but I don't think I said that. I noticed they said it. I believe it's Tenzin. Because so, someone says the Equalists did this. Oh, that's right. That did happen goes, early ma- If that's true, they're making bold moves. Towards their end game, right. which was also like a hint, hint, wink, wink towards episode. To the that's... Avengers, right. Yeah, no, this, is, this, this universe episode... ties into the MCU. Yeah, episode 12 is called the movie Endgame. Yeah. Wrong. That's... Yeah, this is... You watch anyway. uh, the Avengers Endgame after you finish season one of... Legend but again, of like I was saying, I think this... What we're going to be grappling with is, is this is a matter of perception, right? Boldness is... Boldness to whom, right? Is it me believing myself and my actions to be bold? Is it someone calling my actions bold when it doesn't feel bold to me like what when and what is bold and how and why and what what deems the label by who and i think it falls into when we talk about this with so many other ways that we process emotion and and it it doesn't exist on a binary nope it's not either good or bad nothing does (laughs) it's not always good it's not always bad it is something that when provided with context and thought and processing that we decide what is the level of boldness that I need to act with? What mm. is the level of safety that allows me to act at a certain level of boldness? Um, there's a lot of factors that come into play and what world and what has to exist for someone to be able to be bold in a way, because there's this idea of you got to take risk. Being bold is taking risk. It's being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. So there is a chance for failure. So you can't, you can't only make moves when there's no chance of risk. But at the same time, there's also a a risk, maybe uh, evaluation process of like, if I'm bold in this moment, 
how much risk yeah is there yeah yeah, yeah. Okay, before we get any further, because I, I sense that we're we're about to dive in, I, I think Got that we so many questions about boldness, and I have zero answers. Yeah, we we need to make sure that we recap the episode. you are bold in your effort to recap this episode. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. On your mark, get set, go. Kor tells Tenzin about everything she has learned about Tarlock and Amon and taking away his bending. Asami and Mako chat about Mako's relationship with Korra, and Lin agrees to stay and help the Air Temple Island. Equally start to take out council members and won't take and try to take over Republic City, including police headquarters, and Tenzin gets knocked out. But then Team Avatar to the rescue, and the Equalists set their sights on Air Temple Island, and kids fight fart bending. And then Pema gives birth. Lin decides to take out two airships so that Tenzin and his family can escape, and Amon steals Lin's bending, and then we are introduced to General Iroh. Man, with two seconds to spare. Boom! Wow, wow, that was great. Sorry, Max. You can fix that peak and post. Max is here with us today now. How are you doing, Max? He was here the whole time. Yep, just got here. Yeah. <laughs> we forgot cool. to introduce you, which which is, that's my fault. Yeah, well, since we didn't bring you in earlier, do you have anything to say for us? Do you wanna, what, what do you want to talk about? Anything? I'm, I'm good at this time. Thank you. You changed it. You didn't say your tagline. Well, you didn't ask the question in a way that made it help. He couldn't say not at this time. But he could have. Max, do you have anything you want to add? Not at this time. There we go. That's all I wanted. Fair enough. People, like, want that. People want that on a shirt. Like, three people have said they would buy (laughs) that shirt. I don't don't know if that warrants us being able to put the merch out for that. I could start buying some plain white tees and some Sharpies and sending them away. You know what? We'll do that. If you want to <laughs> go up <laughs> and support us for, uh, uh, if we'll talk about it. All right. Good talk. This has been fun. Boldness. Witty banter. Boldness. And this has been Pruitt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks, Max. <laughs> okay. So starting from the beginning, I want to talk about Pema. Can oh. I talk about Pema? Yeah, of course. I love Pema. She's great. Pim is great. Pim is bold. I love the moment where Mako and Asami start talking, and Asami like snaps at Mako a yep. little bit, and Pim is just like, "You know what? This isn't a space for me anymore." Yeah, she's I'm super gonna, observant. I'm right? Go leave. Like, yeah, she's something like, here is awry. And so, I, I think that uh, help. Would you describe that as bold? Her like being like, uh, "I'm gonna just step out real quick," like, and and she worded it differently. But I, do you describe that boldly? I think she moves in that moment with an assertiveness and, a, and an understanding of the situation. I think announcing it, like, I, th- I think it's pretty clear her intent was like, this is a tense situation that I don't need to be a part of. So I'm going to leave. Yep. It wasn't like, a oh, oh the, ch- the children, they need me. I think yeah. she, she made it pretty clear, like, y'all clearly need to talk. Yep. I'm going to step out. Um, and I think that's. Could be perceived as I think it is a bold. bold move. I think it's I think it's a moment where I wish people did that more often because it actually doesn't. It's not avoiding discomfort. It's naming the elephant it's in na- the room. It, it is right, right. She's not avoiding the discomfort. She understands that that is not a place for her in that moment. She doesn't need to be a part of that conversation. I agree. And she leaves with confidence in that. Yep. It's not a oh this situation is making me uncomfy so I'm oh, going. I gotta go. Oh. It's a this is not my space right now. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be. And so I'm going to to leave and i'm gonna make it clear that like i'm leaving because y'all need to chat and so i I appreciate that moment with her i agree i appreciate it as well and i think like 
she also notices like that's a different type of bold right uh, with asami right asami's boldness in like calling mako's feelings out right yes not initially though right it's yep. like a little passive aggressive it is comment you're a firebender you can boil that water well he could yes <laughs> <laughs> And that was not what was making her upset in that moment. Correct. And so, but she does say it. So it's very different than Pema. Pema's like, this is a problem. I'm going to step out. Mm -hmm. Asami's like, I'm not going to talk about the problem yet. Because if in that conversation, she's like, do you really want me to say it? Yes. Right. And, and Mako's like, yeah, because I don't know what you're talking about. And because like oftentimes people assume like, you, you know what you did wrong. The problem is he did know. He just didn't know that she knew. Right. And, yeah. and so I, 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 there's, there is an element of boldness in, in both of these reactions. Bold of Mako, one could call it, to not tell Asami who he's in a relationship with and wants to maintain relationship with, to not tell her about that experience with Korra. Bold of Asami, one could argue, to like call him out on his, you know, BS. Right, it's and it's all in the story that we tell, right? Because you one could label each side of these as bold, and one could be like, nah, neither of them were bold at all. And so, right, it's all in the the story and how we articulate it in narrative. Well, because every choice you make, I guess you could, on a high level, you could argue that almost every decision is bold. Because every decision, it's the act has, of a decision, every making, right? active piece of active decision making has some inherent risk to it. Mm. you're hoping something turns out one way, there's a chance it doesn't, right? So on the spectrum of boldness, like, there, it can so be yeah, low maybe spectrum. Boldness is, maybe boldness is a spectrum that you're never off of. It's just the level of boldness goes between 0 to 100, and you can, every decision lands somewhere on that spectrum. Yeah, because it could have been easy for her to say the line, like, bold of you to not tell me this information, right? That That, that could have been a line that could have come out of Asami's mouth. Right, and it could have been Mako being like bold of you to call me out in front of Pema. Like, you know what I mean? It's right. just like there's there's so many different ways you could spin it to to talk about what boldness looks like. So I just I think that was a moment that was interesting, and so I wanted to lift it up. What's another moment for you? Bold of the kids to fight the equalist. That's okay. We're going there. Great. Yeah. Let's bold. Just, yeah. Um. And this is one of those moments where you go, and we've talked about this before, specifically in the Avatar universe, because it is a common theme of children needing to fight the battles of adults. Yeah. Through yeah. actual combat. And, man, you wish that that wasn't the case. I do. I do wish that. And they took a risk in doing that, that in any certain terms you go, I, that, I wish they didn't have to do that. Yeah. Um, and so this is one of those things for me. It's like, yes, it's bold, and yes, it worked out. But it could have been so much worse. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? And I, and I think, like, Amon going for the Air Temple is not, like, thinking about the, the boldness of that messaging. Like, right? Because Tenzin's the only, like, truly credible threat on Air Temple Island in terms of bending prowess. And so let's talk about that because for someone to be bold in my head, there has to be almost a list of prerequisites. Okay. Privileges, skills, something that allows someone to feel like they can take that risk 
and navigate that risk with a better chance of success. Sure. Right? Perceived or otherwise. Perceived or otherwise. Icky, Janora, Milo, they have a skill set that do. not a lot of people are familiar with Yep. combating. And so that allows for a certain level of, I can be more confident in this situation. The risk is a little bit less. Still a big risk, but it's a little bit. And so I don't think that was a those... weighed decision for them. No, and, and I, don't th- I don't think being bold is all the time. I think, but in your head, I think you sit there and go, I think they do say, we can handle this. Sure. And we're going to jump in because we, I don't think they sit there and go, let's weigh the pros. and Can you get out your yellow legal pad and put a yeah. line down the middle and let's go through the pros and cons? But I think. Could you imagine Milo doing that? No, he's fart bending. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I think that that's, we, but in our heads quickly, because our brain is incredibly powerful at processing. You quickly make these we split decisions going with your gut and saying, can I handle this? And so there has to be a layer of safety or a layer for us to be bold. What draws me up, the, I went and looked up like boldness mm-hmm. to try to figure out. I love trying to pull articles and see if there's statistics, if there's data, what this means. And um, there's just a lot of noise on the Internet around like <laughs> top 10 reasons you should be bold at work or here's how you build up boldness or you know, start being rude in your daily job. And all of those things come with, there has to be a layer of privilege or safety or th- for you to start engaging in this way. Yeah, who is this meant for? Who is right. this article meant and for? And a lot of times I feel like it was written for white straight males to like assert themselves in a corporate setting. Yeah. And that's because that's a lot of the list. Or that it's a lot of like, girl boss kind well, of it, ideal it, ideologies of like, here's how as a woman you step into this role. And all of those things disregard this ability of what are the risks that come when you come and engage that way? Is is your livelihood on the line when you do it? Is your physical safety on the line when you do it? And yeah. I feel like all of the articles disregard any form of privilege that comes with the ability to be bold in a situation. Yeah. Or the level yeah. of risk. There's a very different level of risk for straight white males to be bold in a corporate setting. Yeah. than for anyone from a marginalized community. And so it's tough to go through those lists to say, here are the top 10 ways that you can be bold at work. And you're like, yes, and? Yeah. There's not enough and context. Those, there are no ands to any of those articles. Typically not. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, it's it's hard because, like, it's, there's these competing uh, cultural, like, quote guidelines that that are in place like we want you to be bold but if you're too bold that's not that's not okay correct and, right and, and that's and, and people should be confident and, like and people are policing that yeah. right a culture the culture police are policing that for every person and for every culture it's 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 different and it's really tough to navigate and i just think that we need some more nuance we need more nuance always because there's there's something to being assertive in a position there's something into standing up for yourself there's something there's something to be there's said something for, to be even bold agency right? and, and being bold and there's and so but not rude how do you <laughs> and that's the question that we don't have answers for is you yeah. want people to navigate that and be able to stand up for themselves and be able to to fight for themselves in those situations in those settings and also it's tough to read an article to be like here are the 10 ways that you do it and so you get fired yeah yeah so okay 
Uh, let's move on to another another moment. What, do you think it was bold of Tenzin to ask Lin to stay with, considering their history? I didn't feel like that was a, a lot of risk there. On the bold scale, I didn't feel like it was. Well, it's interesting because Tenzin is very awkward. He's like, I, I, um, should I? But uh, would you sure? And he then, speaks so eloquently so many times, and then and then he trips and up then here. trips up in so many moments as well. So to me, it was like this required a lot of courage from him. It required more vulnerability from him, right? And whether like dis- despite Lin's incredible response, right? Mm-hmm. It was him feeling awkward and needing to be courageous in that moment. And doesn't that also highlight what we talked about boldness earlier? Is this what feels bold to one it might not feel bold to another, yes. and that it doesn't we don't get to stay on that space. I can look at a situation and go, that doesn't feel like a very risky situation to me. I don't feel like that's a very bold move. That seems like a fine move. I can see how that would be bold. Correct. I can absolutely when see it, how this situation would be bold. And if you ask bold. Tenzin, he could be like, no, that took a lot of courage. That was a very bold move. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's the, I think what's what really illustrates like the connection that Lynn has with their family is that Pema comes in right after he asks, and Pema's like, ruthless and bold here with like with lynn he's like treats her like family he's like oh here's milo i gotta go do a bunch of these other things like i hear like i'm like i'm nine months pregnant i gotta do x y and z and so like one could describe pima's actions as like somewhat ruthless somewhat bold by like immediately giving lynn all of these responsibilities like excuse me i'm helping you you don't need to ask me for all of these things like someone could come and respond with that but really it's like the nature of their relationship that she's able to ask for that. And I think that's what, uh, what is bold to you and me for them is not necessarily so. And so I, I think that we need to be careful with how we judge boldness in others, right? Because we don't have the whole story. I guess what, what's the purpose of judging someone's boldness? I don't know. Like, is, because if I perceive someone being rude to me, I don't like rudeness, right? I don't like audacity. I boldness, and it's, again, there's like which like this positive negative connotations to these things, right? What we, we like, we also want to be audacious, be audacious, like go for things. Like we had a we had a a, a goal setting thing where we we called it the B hag. What's your big hairy audacious goal, right? And, and it's described that way because it's it's kind of scary. It's like a monster. It's big and hairy, but it's also this audacious goal that we're setting. And I, it's one of those things where we want – like there's just this element of like it's competing ideals of like we want you to be bold but not so bold that we don't like you anymore. And I think we have to parse out whose judgment matters of our boldness. Who are the people that deserve a seat at the table when discussing my boldness? Whose opinion matters to me right i think that's what it is because if i think of when i as as me as an individual what is the purpose of me judging someone's boldness i can't think of a reason why it matters to me like i understand like me feeling bad or me feeling like someone's being rude towards me Mm -hmm. but for the purpose of me being like oh that was a bold decision on that person's part who does that serve like what is the purpose of me doing that it's all that I feel like all that is for me is crafting a story in my head. It's creating a narrative of judgment. And what's and what's the point? And you know, so maybe that's whenever maybe boldness in our descriptions of others is a red flag for us to question and be like, are we hmm, judging? How do I feel about this? Right. Is this a judgment on my part? And if so, 
why am I judgmental of this and where am I judgmental of this in myself? Right. Because shouldn't it, how you feel about how bold you're being in a moment, how courageous you're being in a moment, might be something worth looking at and, and, and give. That Which might, gives a that whole might new give frame. strength, that might give power, that might give you the ability to say, like, I'm happy with, I took a bold choice today and that was something I typically don't do and that, that feels good to me. But for the outsider, why do they need to know or have any idea about that level without, in regards to a narrative they're creating? Well, and so there's two moments then that when you frame it that way make me reframe how I ask this question. Because for me, it felt bold of Mako just to burn up all the parking tickets, right, that were on the chorus parking job, right? Mm-hmm. And, it, like, Mako just burns them all up. And I'm like, bold. Right. And But, okay, what does that mean for me? That's because I perceive that to be bold because I would never, like, I am like, oh, God, I have to go pay this parking ticket right now. I have to go, like, you know what I mean? And it's just, like, bold of him to just ignore all the rules that I adhere to so closely. And so now I'm judging him for making a decision that I would never make. Right. And so it seems bold. Right? Mm-hmm. And so what it does is it says more about me than it does about Maka. Correct. Right? Interesting. I also, just uh, to keep on that train, Do it. found Asami's driving to be very bold, right? She backs up and almost hits a car. I'm like, bold. <laughs> um, Mirrors, please. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, I, I realize, uh, probably I'm my worst person when I'm in the car judging people on the road. Um, it's also where I'm best at checking myself. And I think it's because the stakes, stakes can be very high on the road. But typically someone cuts me off in traffic. It didn't really do much to me. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm like, oh, what a jerk. And then I'm very quickly to be like, maybe they just they got something going on. Late to a meeting. And, I, and I'm better about doing that on the road than I am anywhere else. And maybe that's just practice. Well, that's because you used to have a joke, right? <laughs> Max is, unless I'm in D.C., but that's less about other people. That's more about other people's driving and my fear of my own. Like, I don't like being in major cities and not knowing where I'm turning. Yes. I yes. like because I'm the type of driver who likes to prep the lane I'm going to get into with plenty of time. I hate being an inconvenience of like trying to merge my car two lanes over to make my turn. I'm yeah. the type of person who I yeah. would go straight and UE and do all that stuff to as opposed to holding up traffic, holding up traffic. Yeah, I, I think one of the things that kind of started us off on this journey was when we were first grappling with Brene Brown's work. Right. We were taking classes on her books. I haven't um, heard of her. You've never heard of Brene Brown? Well, no. let me tell you about her. She wrote a few books um, called uh, Daring Greatly, Rising Strong, Braving the Wilderness. Oh, okay, I'll check like them out. The... Continue. She's really important. You should know about her. Yeah, great. So when we were going with that work. When we were re- <laughs> doing classes and teaching classes on her work and we were grappling with this information and we were first learning about it and first taking it all in, we at the same time went through a training on how to work with those who had uh, dementia in our workplace, right? And it became a like when we were grappling with what's the most generous assumption, right? It's like when someone's driving on the road, the the joke that is potentially less tasteful now, but is like, well, maybe they have dementia on yeah. the road and just asking that question. But like, honestly- Feels ableist now. It's, it is, yeah. and it is, right? But it's one of those things where that's still a- generous assumption of someone on the road right? it is a more generous assumption are there more generous assumptions than that absolutely and it's one of those things where when we that became a regular practice right to ask a question like that to ask, like and so when anytime we're in, on in the road if we say okay what's like this is my place to practice 
when someone cuts me off in traffic, okay, let's create a hypothesis of generosity here and practicing that hypothesis of generosity and giving in like that, the, the car is the perfect place to practice that. And so the fact that you're lifting that up, like is really important, I think, as a chance for us to, to kind of grapple with how do we not just like, oh, we should assume the best in others, but really put it into practice by giving us space and a ritual around how to practice. Does that make sense? Is that like, I think you finding ways to practice that, of giving the most generous assumption and regardless of situation, the more you can practice it, the more it's going to help you out. Yeah. Um, it's one of those things too, because the more you practice it, I am even in relationships or with friends, things that would have set me off earlier. Now you don't, it's, it's, it becomes second nature to be able to say like, I know they didn't mean to snap at me. They snapped at me. I know they didn't mean to do that. Yeah. Um, and so that allows me to navigate, hey, something seems like it's up. Are you okay? Is there is anything going on? Yeah. Versus a, don't you yell at me, like, response. <laughs> but that only happens because even when someone does something wrong, even if you, from every angle, you can sit there and say, nope, they were rude in that moment. Even practicing generous assumption that still allows you to go, but I'm going to respond to what seems to be underlying rather yeah. than that action right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. What else? Another moment of boldness for you. Lynn taking down the airship. That's what I was going to say next. Yeah, let's talk about it. Yeah. So I, I think what struck me as bold for this was that it was the disregard for personal safety, right? And I, and I think that's that was the element that I was like, okay, she's they're clearly being pursued. They were going to be caught by the airships because they were being pursued at a rate that it was they were going to get caught up with. And so Lynn made a decision to essentially sacrifice herself, not necessarily her life, but certainly her, her freedom and her, like, you well, know. It's, it's, it's going to be all of us or it can be me. Yeah. And so it felt like a bold decision to uh, put one's safety on the line for the sake of, for everyone else. Yeah. Right? Um, I think it's a, like, as she's described as a hero, right? And so, I, like, I think that that's, an apt description and it's and i do not think we should ever be no one should ever be forced to do that and i don't think it, we the fact that if she had chosen not to do that i would not have judged her at all because that's a ridiculous decision that no one should ever have to make but the fact that she did make it feels very bold to me you know yeah i think because when you're putting that on the spectrum that's when you know that harm is coming to you or the risk yeah. is almost certain and still make that decision. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't know that I would make the same decision. And I think that's partly because I'm not a metal bender. It's partly because I don't have the, the, the skills that she has that are, they would equip her to combat these airships. Well, and that, right? and, and that makes a point. Maybe she thought that she was actually going to be able to, to get away. Like take, she took down a whole ship by herself. To be fair, pretty she, easily she knew the risk. And she, she said, "No matter what happens to me, you keep going." That's right. But I think there's probably a little bit of her that, if I did that, the risk would be almost guaranteed. Well, like, it'd be like it'd be. But for her, I wonder if it was like there's a fifty-fifty chance that I come out of this. Yeah, and like it was a cal like a calculated like, risk. And so like I'm still gonna do it. It might have been seventy-five percent chance, but she just took in no time flat. She took down an entire airship, and would have done it to the second one had they not have also reacted quickly. 
Well, and I think that's the difference between boldness and recklessness. Right. Right. She was being bold here, not reckless. Mm-mm. Or and but however, <laughs> I mean, a some people reckless. might describe it as reckless. Some people might describe it, like you know what I mean. There's again, this is perception. Mm-hmm. So for me, my perception is that this was a bold decision, not necessarily a reckless. Meaning there was like it's unlikely that she gets through it. I don't know. So I, I guess my question, and we don't have to be in a place to answer it, is is how twofold. How do we how do we cultivate boldness? in ourselves and the people that are around us part two of that question being like do we want to is that necessary are bold moves necessary for living life i think for me the 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 takeaway so far is that whenever i'm feeling critical of boldness i need to pause and i need to think about why i feel that way Mm -hmm. i think that's why is it upsetting me that someone else is being bold in this moment yeah and there might be valid reasons and it may not be upsetting maybe it's impressing me that someone's bold and again why is that impressing me Mm -hmm. right why is that why is it negative why is it positive and i think that again it says more about my processing and my understanding of myself and how i interact with the world than it does about the other person when it could be all right this is upsetting me this boldness is upsetting me. Yeah. I process it. And then in that moment, I can say, yes, it still upsets me. Or, no, I can, this shouldn't be bothering me. Or, I don't feel like this needs to bother me in the way that it did initially. I've rechecked my story. Yeah. This could be impressing me. Should it be impressing me? Right. I, in that question, I always think about like organizations coming out and making statements about social justice movements where you're like, oh, Nike. <laughs> That's a. You made a bold move. Thank you. And then you go, what did they? Or was that a calculated capitalist move? Yeah. For their own monetary benefit. Precisely. And then you go, oh. So that's less impressive. And then you go, but is that still good? Because at least they're pushing the movement forward. Small steps are better than no steps. Correct. Like, so like, I think that's where everything and shows up on this scale. we can still call people to a higher. Right. Hey, you're doing this for, let's be real. You're doing this for capitalistic gain. And... I, I, we appreciate you do better to doing it for that purpose. We'd love it if it was altruistic, regardless of the monetary movement. Like, yeah, will yeah. you also do it when there's no money behind it is also the question. Yeah. So, yeah. There, but so like, that's what I think about too, when you're checking these things of like, Oh, that, that impressed me. Do yeah. I need to be impressed or should I be yeah, less? That's impressed? fair. You know what that's I mean? Fair. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have two more moments. Oh, there, yeah, go ahead. So uh, the first one is the, the council members, are clearly being targeted in their own homes, right? By Amon. Yeah. And that feels like a bold move, right? Bold of you to like go like straight to their home and do this. And and again, it's a it's a question of like what is bold, right? But like my initial thought and my note is like that it feels bold. It requires confidence. It requires calculated risk of knowing that like these council people are um more vulnerable in their homes, right? But it's you also you wouldn't think so, but yeah, but like, but yeah. like exactly. And you, so it's just one of those things where, like, again, it, it's just like the the brazenness, the boldness of being able to just like start just going after the leaders now of this of the city instead of like doing this underground work that he has been doing before. Like he's reached a new level of boldness by literally creating a super coup, <laughs> and that feels like a, a bold move. Thoughts? Super coup. This is a super coup. <laughs> right. Like, 
Like, okay, so the, he is bombing the city. Yeah. Like, this is... This, talk about, like, the boldness of this. Yeah. Like, he is... He has carefully, carefully crafted a narrative to this point. And he has... Uh, granted, he has progressed his scale intentionally. And we talked about this before, but, like, he started out with like gang members mm-hmm. he, then he progressed to you know tano and the cheating fire the the pro benders mm-hmm. and then so it, this escalation now he's working to the, to the heads of the and now he's state. going but, yep. but the problem is this this now he's bombing the city at large mm-hmm. right and this is a new level of of boldness because not only is when he bombing the city putting benders at risk he is putting the entire city at risk, undermining his message in a way, right? And so that that's what I mean when I say that this is bold and it's a super coup because it's not just a coup where he's, you know, still following his, you know, guidelines of own Bender's the morality no, like or whatever, more, like this right. false morality that he's crafted. But instead, it's like he's going after the whole city, mm-hmm. right? And so th- this is about power now, not about this this rhetoric that he's been carefully crafting and so this is a situation where you sit there and say how do i feel about this boldness not good right (laughs) how do i feel about not feeling and this when you process emotions when you process feelings i think there's this is one of those reasons where people will be like what do you need to process (laughs) like right like (laughs) yes you know you got to process your feelings right now the answer is yes yeah like you like this is how you make sense of the world around you and and navigate, take state of where you are at in these moments, mm-hmm. um, and really say, how do I feel about this? Why do I feel about this this way? Mm-hmm. Or, and then, you know, but I think people, their brain works fast. Yeah. This, that's its purpose. And so I think people sit, like, when they hear something around, like, this is what you need to do, anything with practice takes time. Anything with practice takes less time the more and more you do it, correct? And so... I think people, first, oh, you're going to sit down and you're going to, you're going to get out the yellow legal pad and you're going to make your pros and cons list and how are you feeling? And it's like, no, I th- you can process pretty quickly. How do I feel about this? What's going on? Yeah. 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 I don't feel good about it. Let's make moves. <laughs> right. So, um, but for, for anyone who's navigating this with the mon, even if you're a part of the equalist movement, you sit there and you go, is this, is this what I signed on for? Mm-hmm. How do I feel about this? Yep. And that's where that accountability that we talked about, you know, a few episodes ago is, is really important. We need to be able to hold the people in, in power processes accountable. for accountability. Right? There needs to be processes for accountability. Yeah. And it's, yeah, I had something that was on the tip of my tongue. Sorry. And now it's gone. That's okay. Oh, and this kind of gets to judgment. Yeah. And, and cause all you, it is such a societal thing. You shouldn't judge me. Don't judge. Don't, don't judge make, don't me. make judgments. Or even in meetings where if you're if you're in a organization that sets like guidelines for meetings and how you engage, one we of them won't is judge one people. of them is always don't judge. And the reality is judgment is us processing the world around us. You have to check those judgments over and over again. Check your biases but judgments are your brain and your body processing things. And so I think it's impossible for us to say like we're not gonna make judgments. I agree. Like, no, you should judge this situation and figure out how you feel about it and then push back on yourself and say, like, you got to ask those questions. Yeah. But yeah. this is where this is one of those times where you just sit there and say, well, like, we don't well, judge anybody because you can't sit there and look at Damon and be like, I can't. 
I can't judge Amon for his actions right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we do this all the time. Absolutely. Well, and it reminds me, and so uh, Robin D'Angelo's White Fragility, which at the end she talks about the idea and concept of of judgment as a, as a group norm and breaks it down and how that's like not possible. Right. Mm -hmm. We like judgment is a, is a human condition. We, we all do it. I I will also pause and say it is better to read books on anti-racism by black authors. And so I want to put that out there and I, I, but if like, this is a book on a list that I read in my uh, work on this, um, but there are better avenues to get the information from, from black authors. So I recommend that as well and people of color. So anyway, that's, I digress. Um, so I think that it's interesting that it's one of those things where like, this is a, a common thing that we want for, Oh, we want a no judgment zone, but that's not what we really want. Doesn't plan. That is not a productive environment for working and learning. What we need is a accountability zone where people can like, not just like name their judgments aloud and be like, I judge this, 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 but instead saying, Hey, like this is a judgment you're experiencing. Let's, can we lift it up? And, and also when you lift that up, can we discuss it and learn from that judgment and help us like grapple with it? And so there's just, there's different ways to go about it. And I just think that a no judgment zone is not helpful. Correct. Correct. You got You got to be able to process the world around you and you do that through making judgments. Yep. You check those judgments. It's, it's judgments through a Brita filter, right? Like that's like <laughs> to give you like the, the, the water you need to be drinking. Some of y'all need a new filter. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> right. But like that's when's the last time you replaced your Brita filter. <laughs> Actually, I just replaced my, my water filter in my fridge. But like, is that an incorrect analogy? Like, cause it's, cause you got to judge, but there, you also listen, need to be able to like check. Every those things, metaphor so. is broken. It's sure. like, you know, there's always an extent to where a metaphor works and then it breaks down. And it's just one of those things where like Brita filters aren't perfect either. Correct. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. Um, but that's where, but I think that's the, my biggest learning from this is when judging the boldness of others, it is really a, 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 tr- a, a sign, a light bulb, a trigger to say, all right, how do I now turn this into a self like to view myself and why I'm doing these things. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Okay. Anything else? No. Core is always bold. Well, it's also like there's, there's, there's always more you could break down. It's, like, it's you very know, bold of is Tenzin yeah. calling the national guard, like uh, a bold move. It's pretty like bold to, to like, all jump out of a car and send it off of a, like, again, <laughs> like there's, a ramp there's into lots people. Of bulls. Like, is it bold for, you know, Naga to swat the Lieutenant and almost kill him. And like, you know, there's lots of things we could talk about, but there's always a lot. And I just wonder if there's any, any big moments we, we need to hit before we move on. No, I feel like we feel like we got it. All right, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with maybe a little practice, maybe a voicemail. We'll see what our world's got left for us right now, and then uh, we'll be right back. You have reached the voicemail box of... Bending, not breaking. Please leave a message after the tone. Hi, I'm Kimberly, and my favorite Avatar The Last Airbender scene definitely has to be when Toph's father is, like, taking her out of the arena, 
and uh, he turns around and says that she cannot help the gang because she's tiny. She's tiny and blind and helpless and fragile, and she can't help them. And I really like that she kind of pulls her hand away and just says, yes, I can, and goes out to the arena, smacks some earth, and just says that she beat everyone before, she'll do it again. And it's really cool to see that dichotomy of those few lines because especially as somebody like me who's visually impaired and I'm also very small I'm like five feet tall so um when people look at someone with a disability they tend to see just the disability and nothing else they tend to see that you are weak you can't do something just because you can't do one thing means you can't do anything if you can't see you obviously can't be a good earthbender you can't be successful and I really loved seeing that especially as a kid I was about like 12 when I saw that scene for the first time and I was going through a lot of bullying and a lot of hurt and my sight was also diminishing quite a lot at that time so that scene was just perfect to watch and then her kick ass at the end and beat every single one of those guys like this tiny little girl beating everybody being pretty much my same age it was really cool to see and as an adult now it's even better to watch and cooler to see because uh, I'm still short I'm still tiny but I also am still visually impaired so whenever I see that scene or notice that scene whenever I watch my rewatches of Avatar I get to have that little happiness come back and I get to remind myself that you can be successful even if others don't think that you can be you can do things that no one else thinks that you can and you can show them right to their face like she did that it doesn't like your perceptions can be false and your assumptions can be false so that's my favorite scene of Avatar The Last Airbender. Thank you so much. Kimberly, thank you so much for sharing that with us. That was so insightful and, and, and took a lot of vulnerability to be able to share that with us. And so thank you for doing that. Um, I think it just speaks volumes to the effect that this show has had on so many people. So if you also had a moment of impact for you that you would like to share through a voice memo, send that over to us at thearchivy at gmail.com. We would love to put it on air. And, and again, thank you, Kimberly, for, for lifting up how much that episode meant to you. And also how much it means to so many other people. I think this is a moment that isn't, I don't think Kimberly is the only one. I think that right. this is a, this is a moment that speaks to a lot of people that provides a lot of, of comfort and joy. And, and so I just, I think that thank you for voicing what I think a lot of our listeners feel, feel and experience as well. Yeah. Time for a devotion. It's time for devotion. Element earth. It is, Earth this week. Earth. Bold Earth. Boldness and Earth together create a goal in which <laughs> what occurs? What is your uh, intention this week? I really sit with this idea of us having to, to process the way that we're feeling through when, when we feel like we see boldness or when we're looking at boldness. And for me this conversation has really led me to this idea that boldness by itself is not a rigid thing that it almost needs to be molded for any situation, which requires when you think of earth, it, that requires a little bit of water. And I think boldness is similar. Uh, boldness requires a little bit of nuance, a little bit of empathy, a little bit of emotional questioning and 
for it to be successful, for it to be used in, in a way that helps us create a better world. And so in that, I think that that's my, my practice is to make sure that I'm adding empathy, to make sure that I'm adding emotional processing when I feel like I'm either being bold or, or seeing boldness in the world around me. Yeah, that, that pluralistic approach rather than a sole earth modality. Correct. we got to have Correct. all the elements. It's all about balance. That's the whole purpose That's of right. the show, right? Yeah. Uh, what, when, something – oh, go ahead. I was uh, just continuing the, the thought of like building something out of clay requires a lot of the elements, right? It requires the molding of earth. It requires the water to make that molding possible. It requires the heat to, to make it firm. And then it requires the air to cool it off and make it solid and make it sturdy. And mm. so like that's a, it's, it's building things with clay seems like almost like the perfect bringing of all elements to create something beautiful. And I think that that's, mm. I like that. If you have a better analogy, yeah. we would love to hear Tell it us. on yeah. <laughs> your voicemail. Um, Okay, for my intention, uh, I, I, you know, the the image that came to mind is <sighs> dirt on that happens like on my shoe and gets clumped under in in like the crevices of my shoe and the tread of my Literally shoe. Literally, one of my least favorite things like in the world is to have to clean out like the tread of my shoes. And I'm like bold of that dirt to get stuck in my shoe. How dare? The, how dare <laughs> the audaciousness of that? No, I mean yes, and I think. I think about how it gets tracked onto my shoe and then I track it inside and it, and these judgments that I create uh, of people's boldness, I, I track with me mm. and they, and they, 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 they spread on my floor and then I have to clean it up. But there, there are ways to prevent that, right? Instead of tracking it inside, I can pause at the door and clean my shoes. Yeah. Instead, like, and so rather than living in a space of having to constantly put out, fi- oh, that's the wrong metaphor, having to clean up dirt, <laughs> right? Of, constantly uh, put out fires. Yeah, instead of like living in a space where I'm constantly vacuuming the dirt that I'm bringing in, how do I ask myself, how do I bring less dirt in? Mm-hmm. And I think one of the ways I can do that is by questioning my boldness and by stopping at the door. And so what are the thresholds that I can take a pause at that allow me to not bring in the the dirt that is tracked on my feet. Does that make sense? And so I, I don't know if that it, my intention is like maybe when I'm transitioning spaces, literally like saying, hey, what do I need to not bring into this space? I think it's important. The, the, the idea that we take stuff with us that we don't need to, I think, happens. And I think uh, yeah. sometimes that happens when we view others as being bold, that it's a slight against us. Yeah, but I think that it's, but all it takes is a careful, like, I just need to clean my shoes, right? And it's just, I literally just need to say, okay, what is a filter I can put on now that would make it so that when I go and enter this space, I clean my shoes before I go into Mm -hmm. it. And we train ourselves to do that, right? But a lot of times, sometimes we don't. And sometimes we, like, walk into a new space after it's been really muddy outside and we just, like, track all the dirt in. Because, like, dirt isn't bad, right? It's just... you. You don't want it inside your home. And it's so just there are places take... <laughs> where it doesn't need to be. Right, exactly. And so it's... I love it in my garden. I don't love it on my floor. Right. And so I just think it's, how do I be mindful about where this dirt belongs? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I like it. Thanks. Gratitude. I love gratitude. I'm going to go. You should go. 
I'm going to not leave, not leave, but like, yeah. Um, I, I keep sitting, the imagery of these kids having to take up the mantle of fighting mm. is one that I, I'm grateful that they do it. I don't love it. I'm grateful that they are working to make the world a better place. I'm grateful that they are standing up for what they believe in. I wish that we lived in a world where it wasn't necessary. That, that I wish yeah, we lived in a world where the, the youngest of us aren't having to continually fix the sins of, of the generations before it. Here, here. Um, and so I'm, I'm grateful for, for Milo and uh, Janora and Icky, and I'm grateful for the kids that do that in our world. <laughs> I think it's so funny that you say it's Icky versus Icky. Because it's like, ew, Icky. Yeah. <laughs> it's a southern draw. Um, I just... Kids do that. One of the things that's been bothering me recently, because I'm on TikTok, and TikTok doesn't bother me, and the young people on, on TikTok At don't. BNB underscore pod. Yeah. And the young people on TikTok don't bother me. It is this, for generations, every generation starts to like bash on the generation after it for yeah. all these things. They don't do it the way I did it. And I've never seen a generation, the younger generation has shown up over the last year in a ways that I never would have done as an 18 year old or a 17 year old or in, I was so apathetic to all of those things in high school and in college and they've shown up in a way that I never did. And so I just, they are doing it though because they have to and not because, and I wish they didn't. That's where I'm at. So that's why I, I have, that's why I have a lot of gratitude for, these kids stepping up to protect their the air temple yeah i have i have super same vibes super same mm-hmm. i'm i vibe with that a lot um instead though i will choose pema for me um and that's enough said because pema is awesome but I, I will elucidate just for for funsies um i i think that pema is incredibly observant i think that pema Secure. is very secure Mm -hmm. that's a great word i think that pema is incredibly caring i think she's a wonderful mom i think that she is hilarious when she is just mad that her another airbender child earlier like you know it's going to be in her home yeah katara i think episode one is like oh i sense another strong airbender and she's like i just want can i just have one normal one kid that doesn't you know, blow air in my face. Right. And I just, I think that Pema is just a, of just a beautiful human, like fake human, but like, I love Pema. Mm-hmm. She's just, she's just great. And like, she goes through such hard, she has a baby in the middle of a coup of a military coup. It's, it's like, it's a bold move, baby. Yeah. Bold, <laughs> yeah. Like not now, baby Milo. Uh, it's just <laughs> at that moment, Always makes me laugh. Yeah. Such a silly moment, and I just like I just I I'm so grateful that she is able to maintain her her demeanor, her attitude, her lifestyle, her her herself in the midst of all of this extreme, all of this extremity that is happening. Right? She's like still this amazing human in the middle of all of this tragedy. And I just like, I, I, I cried up. I was like, I watched the most recent episode of Grey's last night and I cried because of this, like the level of grief that they're handling with COVID and just like the amount of things that are weighing on people. Mm-hmm. And it really just hit home. And then Pema is sitting here just like 
and I don't know what's going on in her head, but the what she is presenting to the world is just amazing, and I admire her for that, and I'm grateful for it. So much. You know how else I'm grateful for? Max. Oh, me too. Max, thank you so much for being here and, and, and helping us through this process of podcasting, yeah. and we couldn't do it without you. You want to share anything you're grateful for, Max? Not at this time. That's not in the spirit of the... This <laughs> <laughs> is like bold of him to deny us. Well, I need you to process why you feel that that's bold and, and how you feel about it, Ben. Fair, fair, fair. Yeah, Ben. So remember, you can find us at all the social medias, bnb underscore pod. Send us a voicemail at thearcofemail at gmail.com. The arc um, of e at gmail.com. Is that what I said? Did I miss that? said the arc of email. Which is not a good way to get in touch yeah, with that us. That will not work. The arc of E at gmail.com. Arc with a K, not a C. Yeah, like um, the arc of the covenant. Interesting not, choice. Not the Joan um, of Arc. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, there's also Patreon where we do live episodes. We have bonus content, uh, bonus mini episodes. Content. Yeah, lots of cool stuff. So find us there, BNB underscore pod as well. And we would love to have you be a part of our community. I'm Sunshine Mayfield. This has been Pruitt. And this has been Bending Not Breaking. Thank you for listening. Goodbye.